I want to do something this morning that is going to help you with one of your greatest problems. And at the end of the message today, you're going to make some decisions, some choices, and some steps that will actually assist you. It plagues every single one of us. Every single one of us in this room, we have an issue, we have a problem with insecurity. Turn to the person on your left and say, you have a little bit of insecurity. Turn to the person on your right and say, you have a lot of insecurity. Okay? Everybody in this room, I just caused a lot of problems. Everybody in this room struggles with some form of insecurity. Before the fall, Eve never asked herself, am I beautiful? Will I always be loved by Adam? She never asked herself, will he ever leave me? Before the fall, Adam never asked himself, can I provide? Can I protect? Do I have what it takes to be the man? He never asked himself that question. After the fall, we have all struggled with insecurity. Now, because I like my chair, and because my production team would not like me to break this chair, I really like to just take the chair and just kind of throw it over. Because that's what happened to all of us at the fall. In the fall, we got knocked off balance. Every single one of us just got tilted. And so the rest of our lives, we're trying to, like, get validated. We're trying to, like, gain our footing. We're trying to, like, get our pillars back on the ground. Every single one of us. Now, all of us in this room, we're somewhere on a continuum when it comes to insecurity. My goal at the end of this message is to help all of us to move from a level of insecurity to a greater level of security. Now, it's so much easier to talk about other people. Let's not talk about you yet, right? Let's talk about your brother. Let's talk about your sister. Let's talk about, you know, somebody on a, on a housing, you know, association list, you know, or somebody else. Let's not talk about you. So let's look at some insecure and security, what it looks like on a list. Here we go. People that are insecure, I'm going to read the left side. You're going to read the right side. People that are insecure, they are, they are closed-minded, but people that are secure are People that are insecure, they, are, they seek validation, but secure people, come on, a little bit more enthusiasm. They what? They give compliments. All right. Insecure people, they know it all. Do you know any know-it-alls? Not you, of course, but other people around you, right? Uh, what are secure people? They are eager to learn from others. Insecure people, they make excuses, right? But secure people take responsibility. Insecure people do what feels good. Secure people operate on principles. Insecure people, they're negative, just negative thinkers. Secure people, they are positive thinkers. Insecure people, they gossip. But secure people, what? They, don't have, they have no need to gossip. Insecure people, there's a scarcity mindset. Oh, my gosh, we're going to run out. We're going to hunker down. Everything's you know, going to fall away. But secure people, what? An abundance mindset. Insecure people, they're judgmental. But secure people accept others' differences. So insecure people worry what others will think. But secure people, here we go, can laugh at themselves. Now, we're all insecure a little bit. But there's some solutions today. There's some answers today. And my goal today is to move the needle. My goal today is to move the needle in your life. And we can all do this together. 
So somewhere on this continuum between insecurity and security, the goal is, is to move from here over to here, and we're going to do this through two great heroes. Two great heroes. One was really insecure, and he shouldn't have been. He was a head taller than everybody else. And the one that was young and shorter, he was the one that possibly could have been insecure, and he had great confidence and great security. How did he do that? How did he get there? And that's the goal for every single one of us in this room. So we're going to start with 1 Samuel chapter 9. And 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 21 says this. Samuel has just told Saul that he's going to become the first king of Israel. You're going to become the king. I'm going to anoint you. You're going to be the big dog, and everything's going to fall into place. And here's, what, here's how Saul responds. But am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Well, which side is he on, the insecure or the secure side? He's on the insecure side. And he says, why? Why do you say such things to me? Chapter 10, verse 1. Now, at this point, Samuel's going to have kind of like an ordination service. He's going to anoint him with his flask of oil. It's going to be a really big deal. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil, and he poured it on Saul's head, kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? Then verse 5 and 6. So after that... This is Samuel telling Saul, you will go to Gibeah of God where there is a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high places with lyres, timbrels, pipes, harps being played before, you, before them, and they will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. Now, just hold on just a second. What he's saying is, let me, let me confirm your ordination. Let me confirm your anointing. Let me confirm that you're just, you know, a regular man, but you're going to become the king. You're also going to become a prophet. I want to confirm that this really is going to happen, and you'll know this is really of God because you will also be among the prophets. And you will be changed into a different person. So Samuel is setting the boy up for success. Samuel's telling him, this is who you are, this is what God's going to do, and this is your future role. Let's go to the next verses of Scripture in chapter 10, verse 20. When Samuel had all Israel come forward by tribes. Now, again, this is now the public setting. The first one was the private setting with the olive oil all over his head. Now we're going to go public, and we're going to get everybody involved and let you know you're going to become the king. When Saul had all Israel come forward by tribes... The tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. This was kind of their political system. We've got, you know, these marathon primaries and all these debates, and oh my gosh, this would have been a whole lot easier. God, just pick the next person, okay? But this would be a whole, that was terrible, but it's a whole lot easier just to do this, right? Then he brought forward the tribe of Benjamin, clan by clan, and Matri's clan was taken. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was taken, but when they looked for him, He was not to be found. So they inquired further of the Lord. Well, has the man come here? And the Lord said, well, yes, he has hidden himself among the supplies. Another translation says, Saul's hiding among the baggage. He's not off to an auspicious start. 
God has just told him, you're going to become the king of Israel, and he's over here, chicken, hiding, going, oh my gosh, now what do I do? They ran, they brought him out, and as he, was, and as he had stood among the people, he was a head taller than any of the others. And Samuel said to all the people, do you see the man the Lord has chosen? Well, they all saw him. He was a head taller than everybody else, okay? There is no one like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, long live the king. Everybody in this room is somewhere between insecure pride and humble confidence. And unfortunately, Saul was over here in insecure pride. And he never quite accepted the fact that God was going to change him, that God was going to transfer all this power and authority and giftedness on him. And it resulted in insecure pride. We're we're going to contrast that in just a minute to a man who walked in humble confidence. Now, you're in one of these two camps. And if you're over here in insecure pride, you're still trying to get validated. If you're over here in humble confidence you know that God has validated you because the man or the woman who walks in humble confidence knows that God has cleansed them. God has forgiven them. God has transformed them. God is changing them. But the person over here in insecure pride is constantly trying to be validated by everybody else. And you can see the difference. And the reason why this is important to me is because as your pastor, we're supposed to be over here, and it makes such a difference for the kingdom of God. But if you're over here, people see your insecurity, and they know you go to church, and they know you know Scripture, and they know that you know the Bible, but, but why are you still trying to get everybody to look at you? And over here in insecure pride, all people do is try to get validated by everybody else. And so I draw attention to me. I talk about me. I tell everybody about me. Every conversation, I try to be the bride at every wedding, the corpse at every funeral. It's all about me, okay? And so you see the difference. But with humble confidence, you know that God has wired you for something. So let's say you're good with numbers. You're really good with numbers, all right? Well, you're good with numbers because God made you good with numbers. Are you really good with engineering? Are you really good at fixing things? Are you really good at teaching children? Whatever it is that you're really good at and with, you know that God wired you to do that. Now, that's God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift back to God. I'm not talking about encouragement today. We should encourage, 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 encourage. But the person over here who's insecure They can't buy enough toys to be secure. The person who's over here can't make enough money to be secure. The person over here who's insecure, and it comes out with women, it comes out in ladies more a lot about what clothing they wear, and that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) I'm smarter than this. I've been married 31 years, okay? And it comes out with guys over here. Guys over here talk about all their accomplishments, But you're going to be in one of these two camps. And if you're over here, you're going to be seeking for validation from people or from things the rest of your life, and there's a hole in your heart that will never be filled. 
But there's a difference. And over here, here you've got a little boy who stands up to a mighty giant. So the years roll by. The years go by, and Saul becomes very notorious, well-known. He's winning battle after battle after battle. And I'm going to share a scripture now. He's probably in his early 40s and become very skilled with the sword and very skilled with the shield and very skilled with the spear. At this point in his life, you know, you would think he'd be confident in who he is. But there's this nine-foot giant named Goliath, and this nine-foot giant is now on another hill defying all of the Israelites. And for 40 days, this takes place. All the Israelites line up on one side of the hill. All the Philistines line up on the other side of the hill. And Goliath is taunting them. Now, what they're going to do is they're going to just send a warrior from each camp so they don't kill, you know, 25,000 people. So whoever wins, wins the day, and, and that's what's cool. The Israelites don't have a soldier. They don't have a seal. They don't have a ranger. They don't have a marine who's willing to take a stand. Now, it should have been Saul. Saul was a head taller. Saul was the king. Saul should have been the one fighting Goliath. And when David hears... Goliath and his taunts against God and against the Israelites, this little boy, and maybe he's 17, maybe he's 18, he explodes with passion and with confidence. Listen to these verses in the 17th chapter. So David then hears all this going on. He sees the armies lining up on both hills. And he said, well, let let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. This is David talking. And Saul replied, well, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. We don't know how old he is. Is he 17? Is he 18? By the way, David, this guy Goliath, he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, well, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Now, do you see the humor in that? This other guy's a trained killer. I've been taking care of a few sheep now and then. I just think that's funny. The very next verse is, you know, I've been taking care of some sheep. I thought, that's a funny verse. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, and I struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it, and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. Well, now that's impressive. The bear? I mean, there's no guns. There's no 30 sixes, right? He's killing a bear with what? His hands, his spear, a knife. This is impressive. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, well, okay, good luck. You know, that's basically what he's saying. Go and the Lord be with you. In other words, son, you don't have a prayer, but okay, you know. Everybody in the room recognizes that there's a lot of confidence there. And if a story kind of stopped there, we would think that David was just a little bit cocky. Let's keep reading the story. Let's keep going. Here's the next verse. Meanwhile, the Philistine with the shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. And he looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy. So now the 
shield bearer, the armor bearer, is trying to squeeze David out and make David feel insecure. But David's security is not just in his own ability. David's security is in the the fact that his God will take care of him. So the Philistine with the shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. This is the name Jehovah Sabbath, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army, the birds, the wild animals, and the whole world. You see, why would you walk in humble confidence? Because the whole world needs to know that there's a God in Israel. Just leave that there for just a second, if you would, Dad. This is why this is an important topic today. Yes, if you stay over here, you'll never feel good about yourself. Yes, if you stay over here, you can't have enough, buy enough, get enough, do enough, earn enough degrees. You can't make enough whatever. You'll never get there. You'll never, ever get there. But if you come over here and you say, you know what? This is how God made me. This is how God wired me. He's got a general will for my life. He's got a specific will for my life. He has things he wants me to do. And over here, I can be resourceful. And everybody will know that God changes you. Everybody will know that you used to be this way, but today you're this way. They will know that there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Wow, what a great story. What a fantastic story this is. And you know what happened, don't you? You know David wins, and you know David cuts off the guy's head with his own sword. What a cool ending to that story. When I was in high school, it's one of my favorite Bible stories. I love this story. Yay, guy gets decapitated. Anyway, um, Where are you on this list? You see, insecure pride, you're always talking about you. Honestly, you're always thinking about you. And if you think about some of the best times in your life, it's times when you weren't thinking about you at all. You think about the times in your life when you were the freest or maybe the calmest or maybe the happiest It wasn't when you were about you and propping you up. It was about when you were about something else. Those are some of the best times in your life. You see, here's the problem with today. If you're insecure in middle school, you don't all of a sudden become secure in high school. If you're insecure in high school, you don't all of a sudden become secure in college. If you're insecure in college, you don't all of a sudden become secure in your 30s or your 40s or your 50s. And again, all you have to do is listen, and you can hear the people around you, and you know instantly whether or not they're secure or whether they're walking in humble and humble confidence. It doesn't get better with age. Look what happened to Saul. 
When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women went out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul, was singing and dancing with joyful songs, timbrels and lyres. <clears throat> and as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. And Saul was very angry. Now, why would you be angry if you're walking in humble confidence and you've got a lieutenant colonel right beside you who's even a better protector of the kingdom than you are? Why would you be envious of that? Why would you be jealous of that? The only reason you're jealous of that is is you can't handle the fact that everybody's singing about him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me only with, with thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? I want to explain this one more time because I want everybody in the room to get this. You see, humble confidence. Over here, you recognize that God made you really good at something, and you can do this. And that's God's gift to you. But what you do with this, listen, what you do with this is your gift back to God. And He's given you all these different skills. He's given you all this different talent. And he didn't give it to you so that you could just prop yourself up and puff yourself up. He gave it to you so that you could declare the praises of him. And and it would be such an, an incredible testimony. Because people know how you used to be, and now you're being changed. People know how you used to talk, and now you talk differently. People know how you used to live, and now you, you live differently. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to look at some different lists in just a minute. I'm going to ask you to pick one off each one of these different lists. One's negative and one's positive. And there's some action steps that I want you to take. But before we look at that, let me ask you this question. Why would we not walk in humble confidence? Why would we not? I mean, we read the end of the book and he wins. We, we know that everything he's ever said he was going to do He's done. He said he was going to come and lay down his life and be raised again three days later. He did. He said he was going to build his church and not even the gates of Hades would prevail against it. And it isn't. Churches are growing all over the world today. He said he was going to put his spirit inside of you. And he did. And he is. He said, I'm coming back again. He came the first time as a suffering servant, but he's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah on a white horse. Giddy up, get ready, here he comes. I mean, why wouldn't we walk in absolute confidence, humbly, going going throughout life? Jesus Christ wants to change that which happened in you a long time ago. He wants to change that. He he wants to right-side you up. And he wants to move you from this insecurity, which comes out as pride. He wants to move you from this to over here to the humble confidence. He teaches us that in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 says, well, yeah, let me do this first. Yep, you're right. Let's look at the list first. Thank you. I can be taught, okay? Insecure pride loudly shares opinions to feel significant, all right? But humble confidence shares for the benefit of others. Insecure pride doesn't invite input. But humble confidence invites honest feedback 
an honest evaluation. Insecure pride says failure is not an option. But humble confidence says, you know what, failure is an opportunity for growth. Insecure pride often makes comparisons. But humble confidence says, I don't have a need for comparisons. I got a purpose, and I'm focused on what God has called me to do. Insecure pride trusts in itself, but humble confidence says, when there's a discrepancy between my heart and the Scriptures, my mind and the Scriptures, I'm going to trust in what? The Scriptures. Insecure pride says it ignores the, the Spirit's leading, but humble confidence, it listens. It listens. Will you lead me, Holy Spirit? Will you teach me? Will you tell me? Will you guide me? Will you tell me when to speed up? Will you tell me when to slow down? Will you tell me when to buy? Will you tell me when to sell? Will you tell me who to date, who not to date, who to marry, who not to marry? Will you lead me, Spirit? He will. So Romans chapter 8, like I said, Romans chapter 8 says this. Who then shall say this in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God is all for you. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, he was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, nakedness, danger, sword? What's the answer to this? No. No. For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, let's lean in just a little bit more to 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he says this. You see, we don't need to be insecure. Because we're a chosen people. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're God's special possession. Why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. That's the ticket. We tell everybody how great he is. We tell everybody what he's done for us. We're not responsible for what they do with it. We are responsible for telling people how great he is. And we declare his praises. I can't believe what God's done for me. I want to tell you what God's done for me. I want to tell you what Christ has done in my life. We tell everybody else the great things that God has done in us and through us and among us. Why? Why do we walk in humble confidence? That we then humbly declare this is what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. Because once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And once you'd not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I don't think you want to be over here. I don't think anybody in the house wants to be over here. We've just been over here for so long, we've gotten really good at this. But we know this really isn't fulfilling. We know this really doesn't take us anywhere. We know this isn't really, the, and this is, this is like tiring. This is exhausting over here. But this, I'm free. I'm forgiven. I'm favored. I'm a son or a daughter of the king. 
So I want you to look at this negative list first and something you're going to stop doing, something you're going to change in your life. You recognize something on list number one through six that's not really good. It's not going well. And maybe you do this. Maybe you loudly share your opinion to feel significant. Maybe you don't ever invite input. Maybe failure's never an option. I can't fail. I've struggled with that one. I think most guys struggle with the fear of failure. Often make comparisons, trust in myself, ignore the Spirit's lead. I want you to pick one of those. You don't have to stand up. Just pick one of those. Not all six of them, just one, okay? And when you've picked one of them, ra- raise a hand. Raise a hand in the room so we, I, can, I can move on. Pick one of those that you're going to change this week, okay? Just one. All right, now here's the other list. This is the good list. These are the action steps now for you to take. I, I'm going to I'm going to share when it benefits others. I'm going to share something not to make myself look good, not to bring glory to me. I'm going to share something that God's wired in me that I'm going to help other people with this. I'm, I'm going to learn from other people. Now, not very many people. It's a small circle. But I'm going to invite honest feedback and evaluation. You see, if you never invite feedback in your life, you got pride because you, you got a closed circle. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Okay. Failure is an opportunity for growth. Yes. I made these mistakes. No need for comparisons. Saul killed thousands. David killed tens of thousands. There's, there's, you, don't, you don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. God made you so special and so unique and so, with such purpose. Number five is really pretty easy. I'm going to trust in the Scriptures. And I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to the Spirit. Let's move the needle today. Let's move from some things that aren't really working. They're not getting you where you want to be. And let's put some things in practice over here that are going to help you. Now, when you pick one of those six, I'm going to ask you to stand up. So pick one of those six on the right-hand side, and then just, if you would, stand up, and I'll pray for us. I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come down. And I think every Sunday, one of the most important things that we do is people give their lives to Christ. I can't imagine anything in your life today much more important than you getting to go to heaven, that you getting your sins forgiven, that Christ begins to transform you from the inside out. So I'm going to encourage you today to give your life to Jesus. And one of these prayer partners today, they'll help you. They'll walk you through this. They'll love on you. They'll pray with you, pray for you. But I want to pray about those six right there because I, I know that you want to be delivered and you want to be freer. So let me pray for that. Oh, King of kings and Lord of lords, we, we want to walk in that humble confidence. And every one of us in this room, I pray that you will move us toward one or more of those six on that humble confidence side that we will listen for your spirit. We will trust your scriptures. We will know that we have a purpose, no need to compare. 
We will learn from our mistakes. We'll invite feedback. And we'll share then the great things you've done for the sake of the kingdom of God. Jesus, we want to say today how much we love you and how grateful we are. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you.